and um, I'm in Robin Cole's movie Arthritic Lump but it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's said with lots of humour it's just like if I'm lagging behind we're all, we're all storming off and I'm behind it come on you arthritic lump Hello, you're listening to Truthbook with me, Catherine Smith, a mum and clinical psychologist. I am on a mission to get us more connected, sharing real stories about family life. You will let out a sigh of relief knowing it's not just you, be empowered by other people's words and share a giggle at the funnier side of family life. On this episode, Elaine Cordes shares her Truthbook with honesty and humour. We hear Elaine's reflections on two lots of lockdown homeschooling and managing her daughter's newfound autonomy, parenting with rheumatoid arthritis, and the immense pride you can feel as a parent, as well as those Cruella de Vil parenting moments. And we finish off with some potty talk. Thank you for coming on, Elaine. I'm delighted. Thank you for asking me. I'll do your your intro so our listeners know a little bit about you. You are coming from Helensburgh in Scotland, which is my hometown, and I'm in Tasmania. We became friends and our kids were babies. They're now, Molly's now 10 and June's 10, but they had the same childminder and they were kindred spirits. They're very cute together and they used to play behind the sofa at their childminders. But uh, as their cuteness wore off and they went on to different schools, they went their separate ways. But we have remained friends. Despite being on the other side of the world, I've loved seeing your journey over the last few years. You started an MSc in dementia studies in 2019. But you've taken a a break from that Mm -hmm. and then hoping to get back into it this year. You've started a wonderful series of videos of creative movement for the aged and people with dementia called Spin Turn Movement. And I've really enjoyed watching those videos and seeing that develop. And the last one that you did in April 21 was a personal one because that was 10 years since you had been diagnosed yourself with rheumatoid arthritis when Molly was born. And Arthur, Mm -hmm. as you call it, has, in Mm -hmm. your words, constantly shifted and challenged and tested you. But you've recently said that it's shown you a new way of living as well. And -hmm. your spin turn movements have been a family affair. So it's been fabulous seeing Robin, Mm -hmm. who's now seven, (laughs) your youngest daughter, in the background. And Miles, your husband on the banjo. And I was mm-hmm. enjoying recalling coming to your wedding because you got married post-children. And it was one of the most fun and loved fueled weddings I've been to with Robin and Molly as bridesmaids and all mm-hmm. the kids are running around. Thank you very much for coming on and I'm really looking forward to chatting to you. Thank you. That's a really lovely introduction, actually. So many things I'd kind of forgotten about. So that's nice. Thank you. Well, it's yeah, it's quite nice putting the the introductions together and always nice to reconnect Mm. with old friends so while you guys are not long out of homeschooling for gosh almost a year and and lockdown and I've seen some great photos of creativity with sourdough and puddle jumping in your garden but I'm sure there you have been some moments you maybe don't whip out the camera how was it for you guys yeah I think everything does look more sunny on Facebook doesn't it yeah, I mean, a bit, a bit of a mixture, really. The first lockdown, I think, was easier because the schools hadn't quite, you know, obviously it was such a shock to everybody. 
So they were just reacting and uh, had given us a loose framework. The second lockdown was slightly different because the schools had got it together a bit more by then. So there were online lessons, which neither of my girls enjoyed at all because they had to be there at a particular time, particular thing happening. Molly, my eldest girl in particular, absolutely hated it and just stopped doing it. And trying to get her to do anything was, was really tough. So we ended up just sort of picking and choosing and not wanting there to be conflict in the house. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't always easy. And sort of seeing this quite, especially with Molly, this quite sort of resistant side of her and being able to say no in a way that she can't at school, which I think was probably quite an uh, interesting experience for her as well, being able to be slightly more autonomous about what she wanted to do and what she didn't want to do. That's very well put, actually, because I think that for a lot of children that that you just you could not have the same rules that you have at school, and it's really shone a mm. light on how children work. And I know you you guys are very creative, and it sounds like going at your own pace. Would you think they learned more when when they were just being having a slightly more autonomy and a looser structure? Definitely, and it was more interesting because. The... <laughs> With all due respect to the teachers, but it was quite some of the stuff in, in particular for Molly. It's lots of lots of sitting on the computer, which she doesn't like doing, and I don't like her doing. So when me and Miles were a bit more in charge, we just interpreted things our own way. And because I remember Molly got given the subject, one of the subjects in the second lockdown was Japan. Which is like, and she's all into Japan at the moment. And in the first lesson, it was all just like re- reading slides from the computer. And I remember her just coming into the kitchen going, Mommy, they've even made Japan boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you put some diversity and creativity into the learning. Well, I mean, it's difficult because there's a part of us, you know, we ended up like the M word which was maths, oh. it could barely be mentioned without Molly getting really quite upset. And part of me and Miles were just a bit like, oh, just get a grip, just do it, just get on with it. <laughs> and then the other side of us were just, were also really empathising with her and just going, God, yeah, this is shit. And maths, you know, I used to find maths really, I still find maths really hard. And wanting to really hear her and be there with her but then also slightly feeling that pressure of, oh, is everybody else's child doing loads of work and our child's hardly doing any? And, oh, come on, just do a little bit. And, you know, that little dance, isn't it, between feeling that responsibility as a parent, but also mm-hmm. feeling, wanting to be supportive and protective of your child, what your child wants as well. So, yeah, there was a, a bit of dancing between those two places. That's, yes. <laughs> And literally in the same sentence, the pressure is on you as a parent and you're very aware, partly through social media as well, of what other people are doing. Mm, yeah. And, you know, and there is there is sometimes that, that thing of wanting to encourage your child and it's it's knowing, it's, yeah, it's that thing between encouraging and pushing, isn't it? <laughs> so it was, it was definitely wasn't without its challenges and I... I've always thought to myself, if my children ever needed or wanted to homeschool in the future, 
it's something I would seriously consider and I would be up for. But actually that experience over the last years made me go, oh God, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, it would be completely different. It would be more like the first lockdown, I, I, I suppose. But also just that lack of space as well. When you're all together 24-7, it's, um, yeah, quite full on. Well, hopefully as you return to some sort of normal back to school, you can reflect on this exceptional time because as I've read, no child in the history of time has spent this much time at home. I remember when Stuart and Molly were little, well, it'll be nearly 11 years ago now, and we would go for walks to Glenarn Gardens in Helensburgh and you'd recently been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and you were visibly in a lot of pain and trying to get your head around parenting with rheumatoid arthritis and trying to find different ways of managing it. How are you going now with Arthur, as you call it? Mm. I kind of see Arthur as a, a lifelong companion and it may it may change, but he's he's here, I think, for the duration. So I think for me, it's really been about learning to live with it and looking back it was all <laughs> there was so much new things because I, I I actually think that my arthritis predated having Molly but I think it was hugely exacerbated by her birth which apparently isn't uncommon and yeah there's so many new things happening and being a parent for all of my parenting I will have had rheumatoid arthritis so I don't really know any different but I do remember this little moment where I think Molly must have been about a month or two and some of the friends I'd met through pregnancy yoga they were all in my flat and I remember them all talking about the aches and pains that they were having and and I remember just listening to them and just realizing this was before I'd been diagnosed realizing that there was something quite different happening and yeah but it was what was happening to me was yeah just a a slightly more difficult experience in a way and it was about a month after I got diagnosed but I guess that's the thing I, I have very similar parenting experiences to most people but then there is also that that different layer, I suppose, of trying to experience and work with pain and pain management and chronic fatigue as well. And it's just shifted and changed through all of the different stages. Yeah. Yeah. But I I, I remember talking to you about the the struggle, and this would have been nine, ten years ago, of just trying to find different ways of managing it. And you were trying um, different diets or different types of medication and just that that balance of trying to find some relief and, and ways of managing it as well as like you well where you are now is as accepting it in, in, into your life H- how do you manage it now yeah years? well yeah I mean I was going to update you actually but I've been I, I I've been on a holistic health course for the mm. last two years And there's been a huge amount of work in terms of looking at my diet and not necessarily just what I eat, but when I eat and introducing more movement into my life and making sure 
looking at when I sleep and also quality of sleep and just making lot, lots of small changes. So I do massage, self-massage every night. And so I've been really slowly building on it over the, well, I did the first year and then I signed up again and did the second year. And that's, it's actually really revolutionized my, my life. It's been quite amazing. I just didn't see a sustainable sustainable I didn't know how I was going to carry on I've uh, about three two or three years ago when I was on holiday with my my family and I had to take all my drugs down with me and I never really count them before I just took them mm-hmm. but I because I had them you know all with me and I was counting them and I was taking about 100 painkillers each week and I, I just felt like I was just really holding myself together and now I take my, my methotrexate each week, my six tablets, and then I have the odd paracetamol. So it's massive, like the change is massive, but it's been a huge amount of work, which is fine. I, I needed to do it. And I've learned so much. I've realized that health isn't just about what you eat. <laughs> it's about how you live your life and the decisions you make and who you decide to be around, who you choose to be around, how you work your time and all those kind of things. And it is truly holistic, I think. But it's been a real journey and it's been sad that I felt like I had to get to that position to be able to make change. But but that that was my situation. So, but it's difficult yeah. when you've got the medical doctors giving you this treatment and giving you the advice and and painkillers are the obvious thing to go to at first and they're, they're, they're also seen as the quick fix. When you see them all together, I can imagine when you were packing to, to put all those drugs and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel sustainable. And they were making me ill as well, actually. I was massively constipated all of the time, really dehydrated having loads of headaches. So it was kind of just in this bit of a cycle, bit of a cycle of doom, really. So yeah, it was it was really, really helpful thing to do. But I could only do that at this point. I think when I was when the girls were really, really small, it's like I really didn't feel like there was much choice than mm. just taking the medication. Cause I it, I was sounds a bit dramatic but it did feel like a survival bit of a survival situation if I didn't take the medication I wasn't able to get up I wasn't able to lift Molly I couldn't get out of the house the girls have had to become older and more independent and able to dress themselves and all these kind of things for me to be able to have the space to look into doing courses and look into self-care if there's anyone out there listening to this who's in a similar situation to look after yourself it sounds really easy but it's actually a lot of work so you shouldn't feel bad if you do just if you need to take that medication at particular points which I still do as well but yeah and looking back which is lovely that that you can and I'm thrilled to hear that it's had that impact what impact do you think it did have as a parent yeah like I say in some ways it's difficult because that's all (laughs) what I knew but I think if anything I guess for me it's about learning your limitations and realizing that you can't necessarily parent in the same way that everybody else is or that you think everybody else is and 
for me, keeping up with the Joneses just wasn't workable at all. And finding that creativity that you can have by just sitting with your child, reading books, looking at the clouds, and just different ways in to sharing experiences, which doesn't involve having to run around to lots of different parent groups. When I, which I did, I did do some of that as well. But yeah, finding resources that maybe you didn't realise that you had. And actually, for me, learning to reach out, which historically I'm a bit crap at doing, but I had to do it in terms of asking people just for, yeah, for support, loads of different kinds, really practical, physical support, emotional support. Yeah. And that came with, from advice from health visitors. And I just had, I really had to take it on board. So, and when I sort of think about the girls, um, trying to think about what impact it might have had on them, but, you know, sometimes I do feel sad because I can't keep up. And now they're at the age where <laughs> we go out for walks or whatever, and they are way ahead of me. And sometimes I sort of have that moment of wishing I could be with, be with a pack a bit more. But I think my girls have become quite accepting of different people's different abilities and different speeds. And, uh, yeah, quite, quite understanding and respectful of, of that, really. Listening to you, it strikes me that you would have had to make a lot of room for Arthur, as you call it, to to look beyond the pain and to look at how can I sit with my children, how can I manage, because I'm sure there will be times, but they didn't last, is when you just submit to it and, and think this is just not, you know, like you said, this isn't fair and why me? Mm. But you, you've, I'm sure you've had those moments, but you've managed to look beyond them. I think that comes partly from being a parent actually because I think actually if, if the girls weren't here there's a part of me that wonders if I would have struggled more actually because I would have probably had more time too <laughs> but when you've got children it's like they have to be fed they have to be changed they you, you you can't stay inside all the time you have to go you know so it gives you that ability to like you say to look beyond it you have to look beyond it because you've got these wee beings that need looking after, but are also giving you so much and you don't want to miss it. it I think parenting, it encourages that presence of mind, doesn't it? And that absolute being in the moment that children are all the time and are so amazing at bringing you back to that all the time. And... I'm gonna have to share what's happening I've put downtime on my computer and it's 10 it's telling me that it's 10 o'clock at night and I have to go to bed (laughs) (laughs) oh oh no go away yes I know time check five minutes how do I oh turn off there we go oh no and I've got to enter a code oh brilliant I think that's it turned off now Right, I'll go. Best intentions, sorry. <laughs> um, you posted recently that did Molly ask you what had been one of the positive things about having arthritis, which seemed like a yeah. very naturally caring question and just implied that yeah. she sees you as, I don't know if coping is the right word, but managing. Yeah, and um, I mean, Robin calls me the arthritic lump, but it's... <laughs> 
but it's said with lots of humour. It's just like if I'm lagging behind, they're all, they're all storming off and I'm like, come on, you arthritic lamp. It's in our family and we live with it and we laugh with it. And I do too, because it's just sometimes it's just... Yeah, you know, if I can't undo the jars and if I can't lift the kettle and all these sort of things, you just have to come to a place of acceptance. And sometimes I do get frustrated. Of course I do. But yeah, you just have to not let it. Well, I try to not let it dominate my my health, you know, my my health and my attitude, really. And yeah, I think the girls see that. So, yeah. From the course that you've done recently, I don't know if would it be possible to summarise one thing from that one change that's made the the biggest difference. One, yeah, one one of the things on the course was actually oh god, I have to be greedy and say two things. Yes. But, <laughs> so one of the things was was meditation, mm. and I've mm-hmm. never I've okay. never meditated before. Oh. And and so they have, what did they call it? it was called S- sitting still I think. <laughs> Because some people get put off by the word meditation. So, mm-hmm. oh, sitting in silence, that was it, sitting in silence. And actually, there's, uh, so I've been, I've been sitting in silence, you know, 10, 10 minutes a day for the last year and a half. And mm-hmm. actually, I think for me, one of the things I've really learned from the course is it's around finding space and finding time within the crazy hurly-burly of even in lockdown sometimes maybe even more in lockdown Mm -hmm. but find yeah finding space and finding ways to resource myself which doesn't mean zooming out and going swimming or zooming out and doing a yoga class it's like how can I actually resource myself really simply so that's been really beneficial for me in terms of my physical health just being able to give myself time to sit also for my mental health to actually slow things down because I think once you start to slow things down then all of your decisions come from that place rather than that place of urgency and contractedness you know it comes from a a slightly more relaxed place and the other thing is doing movement in the mornings so I've been doing I do like 20 minutes yoga now generally before the girls wake up and that's just been massive because at the beginning of the course, there was no way physically that I was able to do that. And it took me a year. So I started in January and it wasn't December that I was actually able to start doing some movement in the morning. But I think I had to get all my other bits of my health together first before I was able to, to actually do that. And now I do, yeah, I do 20 minutes yoga in the morning. And in one way, it makes me feel great because I feel like if I can do this in terms of all of the changes that have happened if I can actually do this in the mornings compared to how I was like I used to not be able to get up without painkillers it used to take me about an hour to get out of bed every morning I think if I could do this I could do anything and it's really encouraging and also but just physically it means you know I get up and I move and I feel better so yeah they're two different things but meditation and, and movement that's wonderful to hear and you know there's huge amounts of evidence now out there about mindfulness and the benefits and yoga and you can read it till you're blue in the face but it's not until you you hear you know stories like that and, and yourself just summarizing beautifully what a difference it makes that it, it really mm-hmm. inspires you to to go and do you think this is something it's made such a difference that you'll continue and that, that seeing the benefits make, means it's 
easy to incorporate in life or are there times when it's hard to to keep it going I think because the course is over such a long period of time it's like all the thing all the little changes you make tiny little changes all over this long period and and they seem to just stay I think it's when you make massive changes really quickly like I'm not going to eat sugar anymore as of tomorrow <laughs> it's like you know it's just hard it's really hard if you just just yeah making slower changes everything might not stay but I'd like to think that the things that are important or helpful will will stay and and I'm really enjoying life I'm enjoying I feel so much better and I you know and I feel like the things I can do with the girls like in the Easter holidays I took them up bambooey Oh, I miss, oh, I miss, I miss Ben Bui. <laughs> it's lovely. It's, yeah. And I, you know, I, even a year ago, there is no way I would have attempted that on my own with the girls, with the picnics. And they obviously, they are older now, which makes life a lot easier. They had both had their own little bags with their water in and snacks and stuff, which makes it a lot easier. But when I came back, I mean, I really felt it the next day, but I just was like, oh. As I was like, oh my God, I did that. And I did that with them. And, you know, it's just, just things feel more possible in a way that they didn't. I think my world, I think illness can make your world quite small. Mm. And it's not till you come out of that world or start to step out of it that you realise quite how limited things were. I still have rheumatoid arthritis and I, I, I'm sure that I will have, but it, I feel like, I'm managing it it's not dominating me so much which is great yeah and if Arthur was an image or had looked like something have you ever wondered about that what would what would Arthur look like if you were to to picture it Ooh, yeah I think probably quite something I'm seeing lots of like jaggy lines mm. <laughs> If I had a pencil, I'd probably just go backwards and forwards, jaggy, 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 jaggy lines. You know, like when you look at what they call like those monitors in the hospital Mm. that go up and down. Yeah, lots of jaggy lines like that. And I guess those those things in the hospital, they are often changing, going up and down. So yeah. That, yeah okay for people listening to this who, who, who have pain that's something that they, they may may well relate to and it sounds like maybe it was Ben Bowie or, or maybe another time when that sounded like a, a very positive parenting or moment for you would, would would it be that or is there anything recently that's been one of those positive warm parenting moments that we that we like to cherish well, I've, I've shared Ben Bowie with you, so I will think of another one, actually. I, I was um, with a friend, oh, what day is it? It was on Sunday. I hadn't, she lives in Glasgow, so I hadn't seen her for, for ages. And she came over with her, her new dog. Everyone's got a new dog at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the girls, we went, took the dog for a walk and the girls came and just sometimes you have that moment where you sit back and it's almost like you see your children afresh somehow and I just saw these two little beings really happily playing with the dog really confidently talking to my friend and being in the environment climbing these rocks and 
just really grounded, happy, independent of me and just really in their environment and like they really owned it and I yeah I just felt really in love with them you know just like looking at them just like you are so cool and just really enjoying their pleasure it was just lovely to lovely to see and I think maybe I was sort of seeing it slightly through my friend's eyes as well just seeing these little children really at one with their play and it was lovely it was really nice and when they, when we got home when my friend had gone I just gave him this massive cuddle and just said oh I'm just really so proud of you both today. Were you able to say to yourself that you were proud of yourself because you've you've obviously influenced that? Yeah I was and I think maybe that's it in a way it's like I say sort of seeing it through my friend's eyes as well there was a little moment where I just sort of felt like yeah, well, or, you know, just ha- wondering what she was thinking. and But me sort of thinking in myself, wow, white, white girls are pretty cool, you know. Is there an image of yourself that comes to mind then as a, as a, a parent in that moment? Would there be an image that would match how you were feeling? I guess I'm just trying to think. <laughs> I'm just thinking, no, it's just, I was thinking if it's really long oblong. <laughs> mm. I was thinking of just yeah a really <laughs> long shape but oh, I was just thinking of something expansive I think I just felt I felt like I had lots of room in me and yeah so just something let me think like something that really stretches out it felt I felt expansive and yeah so like a big long stretchy thing <laughs> That, that that to me brings to mind that this parenting journey goes on forever and and I guess you're looking at your children and maybe at some point consciously up subconsciously thinking you know they're going to grow up into awesome human beings and yeah yeah that's that's a lovely image often when we have our not so good moments as parents looking back we actually do learn from them and develop from them but what would be some of your more challenging moments oh there's a few things let me think (laughs) (laughs) pick out pick out I mean sometimes I'm more reactive than I would like to be I would like to be the parent that takes a breath and thinks and then does a really wonderful response (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah so I definitely sometimes in reflection I've reacted at times when or reacted sometimes in a way that's just not not been helpful at all and I think it's interesting with Molly getting older and on the cusp she's she's quite mature for her age so she's definitely on the cusp of teenageness and trying to be accepting of who she is rather than what I would like her to be. She's very much a home making person. She loves baking. She's baked every day this whole lockdown, this whole year, you know, wow. every sometimes twice a day. She's made started making all the dinners, you know, it's wonderful. It's really amazing. But but there's also a part of me that's like, come on let's get out let's do you know or I'd really love you to do more of this or do more of that and yeah so it's 
similar to what I was talking about earlier, but that, yeah, that little dance of encouraging and not pushing. And I think I don't, ooh, I don't always get that right. <laughs> I, I, yes, I relate to that. There's a, there's a, a nice description of this parenting can sometimes be done as a carpenter. Carpenters know what they're wanting to build and so they create it and and have a kind of pre-packaged what they're looking to do. And then you've got the gardener who will grow their seeds and look after them and they, they will they need tended to and they will be what they'll be. So trying to get that balance sort of more towards the gardener end but I know I know what you mean and yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see how the the, the teenage years are, are gonna be so and whether I think I will find maybe we should do another truth book in like five years time <laughs> <laughs> that would be I, I will hold you to that tune in like, in 2026 really <laughs> I'll be like, oh, that was really easy five years ago. Oh my god, this oh, is really good. But yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's you know, it's going to be a whole, a whole new, whole new journey, isn't it? It so. is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, come on, then, my one last image question: What do you look like in those moments when you're maybe being more reactive? What does mm. that look like? It's not very nice. Cruella de Vil's coming up. Oh, brilliant. Oh, we haven't had that yet. Oh. No, I don't think I'm that bad. Oh, you've nailed but, it. Oh, I don't... <laughs> I not want to do that. Oh, I know, I know. No, I certainly I think feel would... like that sometimes. <laughs> oh, I was actually thinking of Snape, you know, Snape from Harry Potter. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I can be a bit like, mm, uh, blah, 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 you know. I'm not quite so shouty, but it's just Sophie's like really like slightly underhand comments like, oh, you really think you want to wear that? Or <laughs> <laughs> maybe some kind of the love, the love child of Cruella Deville and Snape. <laughs> All right, you're challenging me now because I sometimes try and get an image. And I don't know. I think. <laughs> oh, God, no. Well, I Google that and see what it comes up with. <laughs> All right, oh, there's there's yeah. a there's a, a competition or the, if anyone listening is an artist, they can put together <laughs> the love child of Snape and Cruella Deville. <laughs> oh, brilliant! I must I must say, over the last year or so since I've been learning to live slightly differently, I yeah, the Cru- Cruella Snape is 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 not appearing quite so much which is great for all of us. I, you know, I think it's really natural to have your moments and I actually think it's really important to have your moments and for the, your children to see that as well because they learn, they learn anger and they learn resolution. But, but yeah, I don't want to be that person all the time and I don't want to be that parent all the time. <laughs> Well, I've, oh gosh, I've so enjoyed chatting and we could carry on. But as we start to draw this to an end, I'll, I'll always finish off asking if you've got a truth book confession for us. Well, I've probably got loads, but the, the one that I, I thought I would tell you, which made me giggle, was that I found myself using, we've still got the girl's potty <laughs> in the house. 
and our toilet our toilet's been broken for the last oh. couple of days I ended up using the potty yesterday and this morning as well and so I sort of had that mixture of being slightly horrified that I was sitting on a potty then also sort of slightly pleased but I could just about fit on it it was <laughs> it was quite fun so yeah anyway that's my truth book that's my truth book confession oh. is that I've been Oh gosh, I've got I've got an image that I don't want to have. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Although it does actually remind me of a time when I did that. We were camping, but it overflowed. Oh no! Oh, that's something that for our bottles, aren't they? Yeah, no, not quite. <laughs> oh, yeah. brilliant! Yes. <laughs> Well, maybe it sounds like it was good that you had it there. If you, it was better than well, indeed, indeed, Des- desperate, yeah. desperate times, desperate, absolutely. Oh, Elaine, I, I've really enjoyed chatting and, and catching up. And oh, uh, thank you. And just, just to offer up, if there is anyone in a similar situation who's navigating rheumatoid arthritis or other similar illnesses, and you know, I'm always really happy to to talk to people. I had lovely people talk to me when I was in that situation. So I'll be very happy if anyone ever wants to get in contact. Well, well that's lovely. Thank you. And I'll 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 put the your best contact details in the in the show notes and, and then people can yeah. reach out to you. Yeah. Well thank you very much for coming on. Oh been... no, thank you, Catherine, and thank you for all the work you're doing on Truth Book. It's it's you're a really great resource. So well done. Oh, thank you. Oh, I love Elaine's sense of humour that she delivers so naturally. Arthritis is a challenging diagnosis and hard to talk about. I remember seeing Elaine in a lot of pain, so it is so heartening to hear about her journey to the point where she can live with it and make massive achievements like climbing Ben Bowie. Since talking to Elaine, I have been more committed myself to daily mindfulness and yoga Hearing those real stories of the impact it has gave me a timely reminder of how important it is to keep it up. Please reach out to Elaine if you're experiencing similar challenges with arthritis or any other type of chronic pain. As well as a wealth of experience and empathy, you can be sure that she will bring a smile to your face. If you know anyone who would enjoy and find this episode helpful, share it and help people find it by writing a review or rating it. Or even better, come on Truthbook. Your story of how you've navigated family life will inspire and become part of someone else's family survival guide. 